Hey. Hi. Hello. And Hello. hi and welcome. Um, it's snowing once more. Oh, that's so nice. It was supposed to snow today and it's just been raining and awful. Wow. That's shitty. But it's snowing there. It is snowing here. And um, it's funny because the last time that it was snowing, we were recording. And I don't know if I told you this, actually. Immediately after we got off the phone, I like went downstairs and I started editing the podcast for last week. And mm-hmm. Evan calls me and he's like, hey, so um, I'm fine, but uh, I just got in a wreck. So I was like, oh, are, boy. Are you, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, no, but I'm fine. Like, it, it you know, my car is still drivable. It's, it's fine. And I was like, oh, okay, well, like, be careful coming home. Keep being fine. And then he gets home and he was like telling me about his wreck. He was like driving home and lost traction on the ice and spun across five lanes of traffic. Cool. And ended up like facing the other direction. He told me he thought his car was going to roll and um, like just clipped some guy's bumper. So like his car is still drivable, but like it needs to get fixed before it's street legal. Yeah. So I was like, what? You sounded so casual. And this is like an actual wreck. And he was like, no, it's This fine. is the person that sunk a snow machine into a lake. Oh, my God. And was... Of course he sounds casual about a wreck. <laughs> God. I was just like, what are you talking about? He's like, he called me and he was just like, yeah, so, uh, you know, it's fine. But uh, I'll be home soon. It's like, okay. Evan and then he gets home and I was like, casual. excuse you. He could come home with a few less fingers and be like, oh, boy, my day. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> Just. <laughs> I don't know. Did I ever tell you about the time I was driving um, north on Lake Otis just past Tudor? Okay. That, like that hill. Yeah. That's right there. And I came down the other side. I did everything right. And my car was like, no, 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 we're going to spin. And so thankfully there was no one coming. There was nobody on my side. It was just me alone in the road. And I just started spinning and, Um, you know, went around a few times and then ended up, you know, in the ditch, mm -hmm. very, very stuck. And I was there for maybe three minutes. And then the Alaska Pacific ski team, men's ski team came over the hill in their van. And so they pulled over to the side and like eight large dudes jumped out with boards. They were like, Hey, do you need help? I was like, yes. Hi. Oh my God. What? No, you've never told me that story. Yeah. It was like the shortest amount of time any human has ever been stuck because I literally like landed there. It was like, well, shoot. And then I texted whoever it was that I was meeting. I don't remember. And I was like, well, this is a situation. It's probably going to be a while. And then I was immediately out because a lot of large skiers showed up with boards and pushed my car out. And I was like, well, that was okay. That's the best. It was like a long stoplight. Wow. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Anyway. How are you? How was, I'm I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um for those listening, it's been a week. It's been a week. There have been ups, there have been a lot of downs. Um my grandmother on my mother's side uh passed away on Thanksgiving morning. And it was not unexpected by any means. She has been battling dementia for a long time and her health has been deteriorating for a long time. And I think my oldest brother 
kind of worded it best when he made his kind of post to the people that are following his life. He put it as, you know, this is our wonderful grandmother and she passed away, but he put it as she won her battle against dementia and she has her memories back. And that I think is my favorite way to think about it Mm -hmm. Um, because she's been so confused and so lost for so long that now she finally, you know, she knows who she is and where she is and, and she has those memories again. Um, so it's been a week, but it was really good to talk to my siblings and everybody that's posted about her is, but she was one of the most insane in the best way, just like down to party crazy women of all time. She was the best. My cousin everybody's been like posting, you know, their favorite story about her or just like a quick snippet about her. (laughs) And my cousin who spent the most time with her, I think of all of us said that one time we called her Dodie and her name was Gloria, but somewhere along the line, no, somebody couldn't pronounce Gloria. And so it came out Dodie. And so, you know, we called her Dodie or Dode. Cute. And so she was telling this story about how one time, Dode killed a rattlesnake by throwing rocks at its head while my cousin Jenny was sitting on her shoulders <laughs> and just witnessing all of this. And she was like, so, you know, she was a badass. It's like, wow, that's one of my favorite stories of all time. Cause I could just see her walking along with her granddaughter. She sees a rattlesnake and she's like, absolutely not <laughs> get out of here. But yeah, so it's been, you know, been a thanksgiving yeah it's good i'm really sorry you guys are having to go through that me too but it was it was really difficult for her yeah time and so um it is it is good to know that the insanely badass bonkers woman that i knew is finally free to be herself again Yeah. But it's always hard. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it, though. Yeah. This was also the grandmother that was so angry at my mom that she didn't name me Molly that my grandma (laughs) called me Molly for like the first 10 years of my life. Oh, my God. Because she was like, fine, if you won't name her that, I will. (laughs) (laughs) Essentially. Wow. Yeah, she was cool. But anyway. How was your Thanksgiving? <laughs> it was good. It was good. We um, we went over to Evan's parents um, and we basically like all just got drunk together. That's and it was great. Yeah, it was a great time. We just hung out and like his mom like kept pouring mimosas for Wonderful. she and I. But then slowly, like the first one, she like poured and like handed out to me. And she's like, oh, mine's mine tastes a lot like orange juice. Do you want more? And I was like, yeah, sure. OK. And so she like fills back up with like mostly champagne. And then like throughout the day, it just turned into just champagne. We just like sure. weeded out all of the orange juice. That's the natural progression. Yeah, it was good. It was it was fun. Um, yeah, so it was a good time. Um, and then we've got our like friend Thanksgiving this upcoming weekend, which Dylan will be here for. 
Oh, he will. So that'll be really fun. And Lizzie and Brandon just got um, two little kittens that are so cute. They are so cute. And so there's going to be little cats at Thanksgiving now. It's going to be good. Good old Thanksgiving cats just pushing pies off of tables. Our, Our sweet anxiety pup. Mm-hmm. So we spent the night before Thanksgiving at Trevor's brother's place because mm-hmm. they had a Friendsgiving the night before. So we went there the night before and then we traveled on to his parents' place for Thanksgiving. And our sweet, sweet bucket of anxiety over here um, was having none of it. I don't think she slept more than like three hours both nights. Oh, pup. Because she was the most vigilant about danger everywhere, that danger being Trevor's friends and family. And so we got home and she slept in until like 10:30 yesterday. <laughs> she was so tired. And she's you know zonked out next to me right now. She's just so happy to be home and away from all the strangers. Amazing. So uh are you drinking anything today? I'm drinking coffee. That this... seems fitting. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a beer called Celebration. It's a fresh hop IPA that Sierra Nevada makes and they release it like every Christmas time. Nice. All right, Reagan. Yeah, Taylor. Oh, I'm Reagan. You're Taylor. Oh yeah. <laughs> that too. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome Someday to our incredibly we'll... professional podcast where we're Someday professional. Someday we'll figure it out. You know, <laughs> maybe. Um, What year was your babe born? Well, first, do you want to tell people why we're here? Oh, yeah, because shit's shitty, and we wanted to make it less shitty, so we're doing this. Bingo, bango. (laughs) The most succinct. (laughs) That was incredible. That was truly incredible. Am I wrong? No, no, not even. (laughs) Well, I don't even want to amend it. Just leave it at that. That was amazing. Um, So I have one of those fun ones. Where it could be anywhere from 1863 to 1871, but they're pretty sure it's 1869. So neither of those two options, but all three of those options, you're going first, but not by a whole lot. Really? Okay. All right. Well, Taylor, buckle up. Okay. Um, Because I am about to tell you the story of the Filipino Joan of Arc. What the fuck? Yes. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. She is so cool. There are a lot of pronunciations in this, and I practiced a lot, but who's to say? So, hey. I'm going to do my best. Great. Okay. So, this is the story of Teresa Ferraris Magbanua. That sounds sure. great so far. Pretty sure. Uh, I'm going to call her Teresa. Okay. Throughout. Okay, so everybody is pretty sure that she was born October 13th, 1869. As with previous people, that's kind of like the day that it is celebrated as her birthday. And so that's just kind of the day that's accepted. But it could be pretty much anywhere from the 60s to the 70s in the 1800s. Um, She was born in a little town called Pototan Iloilo in the Philippines. Um, her family was pretty affluent. Her dad was named Don Juan Magbanua. He was a judge. And her mother was named Doña Alejandra Ferraris. 
which I think is one of the most beautiful names in the world. Yeah, damn. Um, she was the daughter of a man named Captain Benito Ferraris, who was big in the military, obviously, Captain. Mm-hmm. Um, she was the second child of six. And her sisters, or at least one of her sisters, knew her as, quote, di- uh, sorry, she had a dynamic personality, restless, and she was unafraid of any man. Mm. Hell, yes. So because her family was affluent, she was uh, able to go to college and she went to ultimately four colleges, I think, to make one degree. She just like kept transferring and I'm not sure why or okay. if maybe she had to. Maybe I don't know what college was like back in the day. Um, Three of them were girls schools and she eventually earned a teaching certificate from the College de Doña Cecilia in 1894. And then after that, she earned a master's degree from the University of Santo Tomas. Um, so very well educated yeah. for women of Dang. her time. Like kind of unheard of for women of her time. Um, but she returned with her master's to her little town of Pototan and began teaching where her students knew her as a disciplinarian. Which I feel like military family. That makes sense. Going to or ultimately five different colleges. Like you gotta, yeah, you gotta have some discipline. Yeah, for sure. You know, <laughs> which also it made me think back to like some of the teachers that I was like, oh, they were so strict. And now I look back and I'm like, they were some of my favorite teachers <laughs> ever because they were the yeah. best. Anyway, love you, Mrs. Huggins. Sorry, it was the worst. Um, <laughs> so then after a few years teaching, she moved north to Sara Iloilo. Ilo, or Sarah Iloilo, I don't know, where she met a man named Alejandro Balderas, and they got married in 1898. Now, Balderas was a wealthy landowner, so once uh, Teresa married him, she quit her job teaching and stayed home, and rather than be like a quote-unquote housewife, she worked the land. Um, And while working the land, she learned to shoot a pistol and ride a horse, which absolutely won't fit into the story. It was just a fun fact. Okay, fun. Um, she got really good shooting pistols and riding horses that absolutely won't come into the story in any way. Great. Uh, I love things that super are not foreshadowing. Yeah, just, just fun fact, you know, Great. and let it go. Just casual fun fact. Casual fun fact. Um, so in 1896, a couple years before they got married, the Philippine Revolution began, um, which was the Philippines fighting the Spanish. And so war broke out in 1896, and there was a fighting group called the Katipunan, um, and it was one of the only fighting groups that had a women's chapter. Cool. So her brothers, and it took a few years for them to get a women's chapter, but eventually they did. Hooray. So I will of- never understand why that's, like, not just a thing from the beginning of Agreed. militaries. Because, okay. like, you're looking for people. You're searching <laughs> for people. Yeah, you need more and more manpower. Why not? And you have this group of people that's like, hello, we'd like to fight. And you're like, no, no, no. Yeah, I will never understand that. Same. It, yeah. But at least they eventually signed on. Totally. Um, So two of Teresa's brothers had already gone off to war pretty much as soon as it started. And so by 1898, it had reached Iloilo and Teresa wanted to fight. Um, her husband said no, um, absolutely not. So she did what 
women do, and she did it anyways. Amazing. So she went to her uncle, who was probably one of my favorite names of all time, uh, Major General Perfecto Poblador. And whether his name is actually Perfecto or not, or if that's a nickname, I have no idea. But the idea of naming your child perfect. Yeah, that's, I love pretty, that. Pretty baller move. I love that. <laughs> Uh, so she went to her uncle, Major General Perfect. Sure. And at first he didn't want to let her fight. Either, right? It's just the best name. How could so you? So good. It's so good. It's so good. Um, at first he didn't want to let her fight either, but then she was extra convincing, or most likely he realized that she was talented, determined, and as we've said before, unafraid of any man. Right. So she was gonna do it whether right. he liked it or not so it'd be better if she fought under him where he could keep an eye on her this is how i imagine it going i don't yeah. know um but eventually he gave her command of a battalion of bolo troops so bolo troops a bolo is a like machete type of weapon okay but also a form of martial arts and so i think they were like troops that were trained in martial arts and held those weapons rather than like rifles or pistols or anything. Mm. I think. Mm. Okay. Because all the time sort of talks about them going up against Spanish troops. They make sure to make like, even though there are less Spanish troops, they all have guns. And so they make it seem like this big opposition of bullet troops versus rifle bearing Spanish troops. Gotcha. Okay. My understanding. Okay, I'm on board with that. Yeah, you know, seems seems legit. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Battle of Barrio Yoding happens. And Teresa led 700 men into battle. And they're up against 400 rifle-bearing cazadores. And they won. Wow. Um, and then immediately afterwards, some accounts say it was the same day. Some accounts say it was the same month. I have no idea. But she led a thousand bolo troops up against 450 Spanish regular troops, and according to these accounts, they spanked them. <laughs> the bolo troops spanked the Spanish. Let me be clear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. And both battles, she led her men in on horseback, which earned her the name the Bisayan Joan of Arc. That's so so cool. Cool. Huge. Fan. Of Teresa. Anyway. Um, so ultimately she led a huge regiment and her men adored her. So they either called her Na Isa or Nanai Isa, which Nanai is Bisayan for mother. And Isa was the shortened version of Teresa. Mm. Which when mm. you think about Nanai meaning mother. So she was it, the original mother Teresa. That too, but it also makes me think of Misa. And was she the inspiration for Khaleesi? Mm. I don't know. Huh. I don't know. We'll get there. But it made me it made me think about it. Um, also, it said that the men followed her orders fanatically. So they just were obsessed with her. Um, apparently, wow. she had a ton of charisma, which won her over notorious bandits of the time, quote unquote, which I don't know if that means to fight for her or scout for her, or if they were like 
banditing for her. Sure. Just burgling. The classic career of banditing. <laughs> They're here to bandit you. So <laughs> watch out. <laughs> They've got the little like black, just the eyeballs cut out Zorro mask. Yes. Yes. And they're here to bandit you. Anyway, who knows? Uh, so then the Philippine-American War happens. Pretty much immediately afterwards because they can't catch a break. I think it started in 1899? Question mark? Um, okay. I believe that. That cool. sounds right. <laughs> yeah. That From my extensive research, that seems mm-hmm. legit. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, the Americans were much more well-prepared foes than the Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, so the U.S. defeated Teresa and took Iloilo City. So she fell back and she retook the city of Jaro. And she led her troops into the liberated city on a white horse, which again, Khaleesi. Wow. Cool. I mean. That's a cool move. That's a really badass move. Um, which she stayed there and she continued to defend Jaro from the Americans throughout the year of 1899. And then both of her brothers that were in the army died suspiciously. And one of them was 19 and one of them was 24. So it was just kind of like, um, this doesn't seem. one of them I think was a major, one was a general. So wait, like somebody killed them? I think so, but we no one knows. Like it's just kind of like she had two really high-ranking officer brothers that both died within the same month, really suspiciously. Weird. Yeah, it's it's really strange. But that's like all I know about it. Dang. Yeah. Um. So the regional headquarters were in Santa Barbara, Iloilo, and that fell. So that's when she made the switch to guerrilla tactics, but unfortunately they kept hitting like loss after loss after loss. And so she was forced to surrender in 1900. Okay. Which when she surrendered officially, she was a major in the army, but almost every reference to her unofficially called her the generala, which I love. I love it so much. Um, so after the Philippine American war, Teresa returned to farming with her husband and her sisters and stayed that way for decades. And then, knock, knock, World War II. And the Japanese are like, hello, Philippines, we'd like to uh, take over. And she was like, no, no, no. But unfortunately, at this point, she was too old to fight. And her husband had died pretty shortly after the Japanese invaded. So she sold the farm, sold her house. And gave money, food, supplies, literally whatever she could to the guerrilla fighters. And in that way became instrumental in helping the Filipino forces resist literally another invader. Wow. Yeah. It's like her love of country is really amazing. Dang. Um, so. Sorry, I had to burp. Moving on. <laughs> Uh, the Philippines were liberated in 1946, which it said, okay, here's an issue that I have with this. It says the Philippines were liberated, but then it also says America granted nominal independence. Hmm. Like what, what, what the fuck does that mean? What does nominal independence mean? 
nominal independence doesn't feel like liberation. Yeah. You know, it feels like a little pat on the head of like, we'll let you, but like, no, actually let them be free. Yeah. You know, but I don't know. Um, so it, it is cool because she was able to watch the Filipino flag be raised with no other flag above it. Man, that is For the cool. first time in like Holy shit. a long time. And then she died in August of the next year. So she like, wow. she stuck it out long enough to see her people find freedom and at least nominal independence before Man. she passed. So she died August of 1947. They don't know what day, and there was very little fanfare about her death. But October 13th is Teresa Magmanua Day, and there are very few, like, I mean, there are some awards and there are some streets named after her, but mostly there are very few references to the Generala, which I think is a bummer. Um, Although she is one of the few Filipinos, much less women, to have participated in all three resistance movements, um, the Philippine Revolution, Philippine-American War, and World War II. And she is the only Filipino woman ever recorded to have led the Catipuneros, which I think wow. is really fucking cool. That's so cool. Um, there is one photo of her that I've been able to find, and she looks so done with your bullshit. It's <laughs> unbelievable she's just staring at the camera like please try me i will end you oh it's so good wow yeah that's the story of uh teresa mcbenoit wow it's pretty cool right good work yeah that's very cool she's so so cool and does not care about like her own glorification even a little bit Man. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's great. Good um, one. Thanks, man. It was really fun. Um, in one of the, the shortest source by shit, because all of the articles about her list the same things. Yeah. And so I think there's like, this is the information we have in the end. Yeah. You know, even stuff that I found that was like, Six facts I bet you didn't know about Teresa. I was like, nope, all of these are in all of the other articles. Um, But the main ones that I quoted are Esquire magazine had a pretty awesome article by a guy named Justin Umali. Um, Wikipedia and a website called People Pill had the exact same article word for word. So I don't know which one went first and copied and pasted, but weird. Literally the same thing. (laughs) I read the Wikipedia one first so that I was scrolling through people pill and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> literally the same thing. Wow. Um, and then there's a pretty cool article uh, in the Philippine news by Uja Kiyoshi, I think is how you pronounce his name. Nice. Uh, but yeah, that's, she's my baby this week and she's yeah. super cool. Dynamic yeah. personality, restless and unafraid of any man. I am here so for it. That's so good. So here for it. Wow. Anyway. You're All up. Right. Here's your okay. babe. Tell me your story. I'm going to get cozy. Oh. Okay. Let me 
Dupe, 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 dupe. Okay, Reagan. Yes, Taylor. Have you ever heard of Grace Banker and the Hello Girls? The Hello Girls? No. Yes. Good. Okay. <laughs> Me neither. I had also never heard of them, and I am very obsessed. Um, so For a quick second, when you said yes. me neither, I was kind of hoping you were like me neither. I just found this ten minutes ago. <laughs> Let's learn about it together. I'm gonna read you this article. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the disclaimer on this story is that it's gonna be pretty short um, because it's kind of just about an event. Okay that this lady led. So um, Grace Banker was born in Passaic, New Jersey on October 25th, 1892. Um, Her dad was an accountant and her mother's maiden name was Armstrong. And that is literally the most that I know about her childhood. Um, So she eventually graduates from Barnard College in New York. She has a double major in French and history. So then she starts working um, as an instructor for AT&T. So she's working as... Wait, um, 1890 what? When did AT&T become a Yeah, so like early. So this is when... She's like super young still at this point. She's like... At this point, she's probably like 20 when she starts working for AT&T. Wow, I did not think AT&T was a thing that early. Right? Yeah, me neither. So... um, So she is working as a long distance division instructor. So she was like operating switchboards and shit. So 1914, World War One breaks out. Um, General John Blackjack Pershing, which is Whoa. like the most like military name I've ever heard in my <laughs> yes. life. So he's like a top U.S. commander and he super needs switchboard operators because he... Um, like all of the communication of World War One was done over switchboards. And apparently dudes were just really fucking shitty at it. <laughs> like they just couldn't do it. It took dudes around a minute to connect a call, whereas it was taking what? women around 10 seconds to connect a call. How? Because back home, all of these women are working the switchboard. And then the army is like, no, no women. So it's just dudes, but they don't really know how to do it. So General Pershing like goes against the army and he's like sends out an ad specifically for women to work the switchboards. Again, same thing. You have people you have that want to help you. (laughs) Yeah. That know what they're doing. Right. But you're like, no, no, you were born with the wrong genitals. So stupid. So stupid. So yeah. So um, John Pershing, this general, he's like, fuck that. That's stupid as shit. Like, we have this whole group of people that wants to help and is trained to help. So he sends out an ad specifically asking women to take switchboard jobs in the war because he was aware that dudes couldn't do it. So um, 7,000 women responded to this call for volunteers. Of those, 450 were selected, and Grace was the chief officer of the first group that was sent over to France. She was, like, head of the line, first one. Oh, because she speaks French. Because she speaks French. And she is a switchboard operator instructor already. So she is suddenly the head of 32 women. I think there were, like, 
a couple of dudes in her group, but, but everything that I read was like 32 people, most of them were women. So I think there were like one or two that were dudes, but large majority of all of them were ladies. So on the ship to France, everything is kind of terrible. So like illness swept through the ship, like two dudes died on the journey over. When they got there, there was some sort of issue where they had to like dock the ship. It was like bad weather or something. So they couldn't pull into the port. So they had to like anchor kind of offshore and the French thought that it was an enemy boat. So they like were about to bomb the shit out of it. And then they were like, Oh wait, no shit. Those are like people coming to help us. Like, Oh no. So like, (laughs) like the whole thing was kind of crazy. And so on the way there, Grace wrote in her diary, quote, watch the statue of Liberty fade from sight for the first time, suddenly realized what a responsibility I have on my young shoulders. She was 25. Oh no. She was 25. And she's like the head of this, switchboard operating crew Mm-mm. that's getting sent over to France to go participate in World War One. So um, once they got over there, they were known as Signal Corps operators. Corps spelled like corpse, but not right. spooky. Right. So they were in charge of decoding and transmitting messages about pretty much anything on the front lines. Like they were um, routing calls about supply drops and ammunition needs and military commands, like everything came mm. through these women. Um, there's a lady, Elizabeth Cobbs, and she wrote a book called The Hello Girls. And in that book, she's quoted as saying, these women were in positions of extreme trust because every command to fire or cease fire or advance or retreat in World War I was made by telephone. And that telephone call was connected by a woman who could hear every word. So like, uh, like these ladies are like, like none of World War One would have happened, except for them. Like they are how yeah, communication it, happened. Man. So interesting. Also, can you imagine listening to those conversations? Oh my god. And having to just like keep your cool. Oh my god. Okay, so along those lines, so they connected up to 150,000 calls a day. Ugh. They they used coded language, obviously, because it's a war. A war. And um, it had to be constantly changed. And because it had to be constantly changed and they were, like, worried about security, they couldn't write it down. So they just had to memorize the codes every day for, like, all of these different, like, like Grace wrote in her diary that um, that at one point she heard one girl, like, call out, that she needed to know where Jam was and where Wabash was. And they were like names of towns, but she was joking in her diary. Like, yeah, if anybody was listening to us, like they would think that we are crazy people because none of our sentences ever make sense. And they just had to know all of that. I bet, man, the, you know how like the more you use different parts of your brain, the better you get at it. I bet their recall for everything after that was incredible so good yeah yeah so cool so one of the articles that i found detailed out a specific battle that happened so the battle of san saint mihail i think m-i-h-i-e-l but it's in germany so i think probably mihail um so general pershing our buddy from earlier blackjack right Yep. The American expeditionary forces and 100,000 French troops had all set out to 
basically like take back this outpost that the Germans had been holding for like four years. So the New York Times described it as, quote, the war's first large campaign led by Americans. So it's like a big, big deal. Yeah. Grace and five other women were called to the front lines to help. So they're sitting in a switchboard room that is well within German artillery fire range. And they're connecting thousands of calls, communicating strategy about this battle to the forces on the ground and to like supply drops and ammunitions and like all of this. It's her and five other ladies like as sitting it's in this happening? little room. Yeah. Yes. Oh, so my- they were well within firing range, but Grace wrote in her diary, quote, never spent more time at the office and never enjoyed anything more. My girls work like beavers. She was like fucking loving it. <laughs> This is like where she thrived. That's amazing. And what a so strange amazing. choice of animal. animal to right. To. I, that's that's what I thought, too. And then I was like, actually, My that's kind lady. of like, like, it makes kind sense. of adorable. Yeah. yeah. But what? <laughs> right. Yeah. So ultimately, ultimately, the Americans won. Um, and Hooray. also like the French, like the French helped quite a bit. Right. Um, American forces with heavy losses, admittedly. But they had succeeded, and that could not have happened without these women. Man. So That's good. That's so cool. So good. So um, flash forward, 1918, World War One ends. After the war, the term the Hello Girls was coined to describe the, um, the Signal Corps. Mm-hmm. Doran Cart, who is the senior curator at the National World War One Museum, thinks that it was used to, quote, put women in their place to call them girls to show them that they were not as important as the men who were serving in the war, because that term was never used during the war. Who can I punch? Right. Yeah. Um, side note, though, good guy blackjack was like a billion percent on board with these ladies being the best like there's this great photo of like all of them standing in a row and he's like walking up and down like inspecting their uniforms just like they're any other soldiers he's like doling out medals it's like he just treats them like they're soldiers because they because they are can you imagine if in that battle rather than women who i bet by that point they chose the five best so who they're could connecting do it in, calls in less than 10 seconds yeah. rather than men who are taking a minute. Right. Yeah. Yep. So prepare to rage a little bit. The whole ending of this story is kind of a rage fest. So get excited. Um, in 1919, Grace was awarded the Distinguished Service Medal, which apparently is like the highest, one of the highest honors that the military can give. So that's cool. That's good. But the Army didn't consider any of the Signal Corps to be veterans because they were, quote, civilian contract employees. So when they came home, they didn't get benefits. They didn't get any sort of recognition for being veterans. They were just back to being civilians immediately. I don't care who is on the front lines or within artillery shot. You are there within range of being shot Mm -hmm. you get vet Mm -hmm. so publicly grace was pretty quiet about the whole not being a veteran thing um i didn't see anything about it like written in her diary because like that's one of the cool things is she kept like 
really impeccable diaries. So like a lot of these things, they have record of her like experience of it, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so I didn't see anything about it from her diary. She ended up dying of cancer on December 17th, 1960, long before she was recognized as a veteran. Um, the women from the Signal Corps, though, continued peti- petitioning presidents for 60 years. Stop it. Finally, in 1977, the war ended in 1918. In 1977, Jimmy Carter, despite the VA and the American Legion being like, no, don't do this. Jimmy Carter was like, why? No, they're veterans. So he formally recognized the Hello Girls as army vets. Thank um, you. Why would you not want them? Uh... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Only 18 of the Signal Corps were still alive by the time they were recognized as vets. Oh. Yeah. One of them is a lady, Merle Egan. Um, she commented after the win, I deserve this medal not just for serving in France, but for fighting the U.S. Army for 60 years and winning. Yeah. Yup. Yup. You sure do, Merle. And that is the story of Grace Banker and the Hello Girls. Wow. That's crazy. Right? I've never heard about any of that. Me neither. Me neither. I know. Yeah. So, to source my shit real quick. Yeah. It's pretty short. Um, I got the idea from the New York Times Overlook No More series. Um, She popped up on there. It's the article written by... Cassia, I think, Pilat. Um, NPR had a great article, 100 Years On, the Hello Girls are Recognized for World War I Heroics. It was written by Greg Meyer, um, theworldwar.org, and then Wikipedia for, like, early life dates and stuff. And, yeah, that's that's Grace Banker and the Hello Girls. Man. And, like, so crazy that they had to fight for so long and so hard to, like, and be VA recognized as veterans. And the want them to be vets. Yeah. That is bonkers to me. And I know that, like, that was, what, 50 years ago, mm-hmm. 40 years ago at this point. So, mm-hmm. like, obviously the people in charge of the VA are different, but, like, wow. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, like, it was, like, they were close enough to where um, it mentions in the article during that battle, they had, like, as they're decoding messages and, like, connecting all these calls and shit, um, they have their gas masks hanging on their chairs just in case they get like a chemical attack. This is, have you seen um, the imitation game? Um, No, that's the one about Alan Turing, right? Yes. Yeah. First of all, get your shit together. <laughs> it is so good. Okay. I'll go watch it. It's so good. Benedict Cumberbatch obviously crushes it. I mean, as clearly. Alan I mean, he's so good. The story is incredible. All of it's incredible. But that's like them working on these codes, but also at the front line. Oh, speaking of movies, there's a documentary called The Hello Girls, and they're also making a uh, musical. Yes. <laughs> Based off of them, My which God. is cool. Where do I audition? So that's, what so the, uh, that's what the NPR article was about. It was about the musical, and then it just kind of told the story throughout that article. Man, Who's your lady of the week? Really cool. My lady of the week this week is our president, Elizabeth Warren. Mm. 
I knew that that was going to be your lady of the week and I've been it, really excited about it. Dude. So for those who don't know, I got to go to a Elizabeth Warren town hall rally thing yesterday. It took place like a five minute walk from my apartment here in Chicago. It was so cool. It was so much fun. It was fascinating. She's such a good speaker. She's so personable. Man, remember when we had presents who were good speakers? Like, she's such a good speaker. And she's so, so I didn't realize that she taught special ed for a long time. Somehow I missed that. And somehow I missed that she taught law for a long time. Wow. I didn't, like, I knew in my mind she was a teacher, but I didn't realize all of those things. So she kind of like went through her life story and then went through her plan for how she was going to fix everything. Mm-hmm. when she's in office and then she answered questions from people and her answers were so good and so comprehensive and they were selling t-shirts at the front that said Elizabeth Warren has a plan for that and I laughed when I walked in I was like <laughs> you know because she's got all the policy plans and everything's great she literally has a plan for everything <laughs> it is wow. not a joke it was so cool and so inspiring to hear her talk and it was the most diverse group I have ever been around. It was That's so, so great. That's great so because cool. that like gives me hope that like even if it's not Elizabeth Warren, eventually we will once again have a president who yes, like because can string together her, a complete sentence. Oh my god. <laughs> looking around that audience, it was so cool because we were surrounded by people who looked like us, who didn't look like us, people who were differently abled, people who were similarly abled families, different ages, different, you know, everything. It was so, so cool to all of us as one be cheering for the same things. And it was so inspiring. It was amazing. And she's so like, it was great to hear her speak to working class people about how she was going to help working class people. Yeah, it was great. It was really, really great. And I would love to call her President Warren someday for real. Mm. Yeah, that would be great. I think that would be really great. Yeah, she's absolutely my baby of the week. Good one. It was super fun. Fine, I'll post a picture of her. Ugh, fine. (laughs) (laughs) Although I didn't wait in the selfie line because it was like hours long. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. I had to get home and let my pup out. But man, I looked at her face. I think she looked at me once, which was exciting. Cool. That is very exciting. But I was also pretty far back between a lot of really tall men, so I don't nope, know for sure. No, nope, she looked at you. She definitely looked at me. <laughs> Super looked at you. <laughs> who's your Who's your babe of the week? Um, I think my babe of the week is my gal Monica Lewinsky. Yes. <laughs> Always my gal Monica Lewinsky. Yes, girl. But like I I am just like <laughs> always blown away by this lady and like. I follow her on Twitter and, you know, oh, yeah. love yeah. all of the interviews that she's ever given, Everyone, ever. If you're not um, following Monica Lewinsky on Twitter, change it. Yeah. Oh, God. She's, Go do it. Go do it right now. She's funny and she's got a hilarious sense of humor about, like, everything you know, happened. the 90s. <laughs> and, like, it's just weird to me that that can, like, even exist, that yeah. she has that sense of humor about that. But about being um, a butt of every joke in the 90s. God, it's just, like, the older I get. Because, like, I remember growing up. Oh, yeah. Monica Lewinsky was, like. Capital W-H-O-R-E whore. You could not be worse than Monica Lewinsky. And 
and then I remember like being a teenager and being like, why though? <laughs> why do, why does everybody feel this way? And then like the older I get, the more I'm just like, no, like, no, like turns out everybody was a real asshole to a 22 year old intern was so like the idea that people just overlook the power balance is so gross to me. The power and balance so, is crazy. It's so gross. And um, yeah, 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 it's just gross. And like, I'm just constantly amazed. Like there's that John Oliver interview that she does where she talks about her friend that threw like a nineties themed party and Monica Lewinsky showed up as Monica Lewinsky. Like what yep. the fuck? Yep. That's the funniest thing I've ever That's heard in my life. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. And like the idea that she's like turned her entire career into like anti-bullying platforms and like Dude. actually means it and has the experience to understand why that's so important is just, I She's the coolest. She's just the coolest lady, and I am 100% obsessed with her all the time. Yeah, I'm really on board. All the time. All the time. So um, everybody go follow Monica Lewinsky on Twitter if you're not already, because she's the best. This was a good one. Yeah. This was a really this was good nice. one. I needed this. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. I love this. I really do. Really, I really do. This. And I love you. Obviously, I love you. We know this. We know this. This is fine. This isn't new. So your brain feels better. Thanks. Thanks. I know on one hand I want it to keep snowing, and on the other hand I want it to not keep snowing. Yeah. Um, go snuggle your pup for me. I will. I think so. I'm gonna make Trevor watch one of my grandma's favorite movies. That's oh about Australian horse owners. <laughs> it's so good cute it's and so that sounds like a great time <laughs> uh, it's gonna be incredible the score is impeccable horses all around amazing i love you i don't talk I love to you, you. Week. okay that sounds great i hope you have a great week thank you i hope you have a great week thanks bye dude bye